Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What's the Obsession With? It's a podcast where we try to get to the bottom of various obsessions from a psychological, cultural, and historical standpoint. So, Adri, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about what's the obsession with celebrities. I know it's a nice little bop. The first thing that I wanted to do was a big disclaimer because um, we're going to talk a lot about parasocial relationships. It's one of my favorite psychological concepts to talk about. But I hear it spoken about and written about as like this thing that happens to some weird people. So I don't want any of what we say to come up as othering because we are 100% been there done that with the parasocial relationships both the bad and the nasty and the actually kind of nice um i don't know how you feel on that brain yeah i think that that's um i think it's a really good disclaimer Uh, i know that a lot of times uh it can be really judgy most of us do this in some way almost everybody does they have some person that they look up to that they don't actually know personally not every parasocial relationship is like a uh, Stan from <laughs> Eminem Stan. And if you're unfamiliar with that, there's this famous song by Eminem that is where we actually get the term Stan. So for those who are, I guess, not part of fandom world, I don't know why you'd be listening to us, but uh, the term <laughs> maybe- We don't know how you got here. <laughs> we don't know how you got here. Uh, welcome. But if you are unfamiliar with some certain terms, uh, the word stan is used uh, to, to basically be a, a big fan of somebody. Like, I stan that person. And, and you're, like, the, a crazy big fan. And uh, it comes from, like, stalker fan. Uh, and it comes from this song that Eminem wrote that is basically this one-sided letter from a fan named Stan uh, written to him that's just getting increasingly, increasingly obsessed at this sort of perceived... Um, slight from Eminem because he's ignoring him and so it's like it's a a really good song and also like you know how Hotel California is a little bit like a horror movie in a song Mm -hmm. I feel like Stan is that way also yeah um so that's that's what we're kind of like saying it's gonna sound at some points like we're saying that this entire concept is a bad thing it can get really dangerous and really bad when you start talking about stalkers and you start talking about obsession in the serious sense but i do think that it's something that all of us experience that being said (laughs) um when did we start obsessing about particular people arguably always just just from the beginning there's a lot that i've read sort of traces it back to more recently like like 1800s um because it had this sort of mixture of not only were people notable for uh, what they did, but they were notable for their personality. And then also we had an increased ability to share information about people so that it was easier to kind of consume and stay up to date on somebody in real time. So the, the more current you get, the easier it was to sort of, you know, read a newspaper or anything that, that, that would kind of give you updates on the latest gossip, right? You go back Mm -hmm. further than that. It was, it was a lot harder, I think, to kind of like keeping up with Polonius (laughs) <laughs> Pol- <laughs> Polonius is my go-to like historical uh, person, fake person name 
But I mean, I long, think long time listeners of What's the Obsession with will be familiar with Polonius. <laughs> Polonius is part of the uh, What's the Obsession with Cinematic Universe. Uh, <laughs> he's a star. But, you know, so I would say, but, but like, okay, someone like Plato, it had fame, but I don't know if they would be like, there's definitely a difference between celebrity and fame. And I think the thing is that a lot of people in the past that we had, like, because um, we, we've had people who were like in like politicians and performers and athletes and stuff those you know going back for freaking ever like in the before the bc ad changeover uh, we've, it wouldn't be physically possible unless you lived with i don't know polonius or or plato you know it wouldn't be possible unless you lived with these famous you know or these notable figures to be able to stay up to date uh, on most things going on in their life you know they they still you know you're not going to build a you know go read the gossip column carved into a rock somewhere um, about somebody in your community. So the, the, the thing that needs to happen, it sounds like is that uh, ease of information about the object of your devotion and how easy is it for you to stay up to date about them? There were rumors about these notable people before we had that easy access of information but they were rumors and they were myths and like Alexander the Great has a tiger or something like that. Um, but it was always this this myth, this legend, this like, oh, they're so cool because of this. But when you have easy access to facts or factoids about a person's life, it leads you to the sense of intimacy with them. Like you know something about them. Like I know what their favorite food is. I know their pet's name. I know all these things because I read them on whatever the what's what's that teen magazine called teen bop teen beat j14 um i knew all these things about p1s that i probably shouldn't have known as someone who's never met the man um and i think that's the difference is do you know intimate day-to-day details about this absolute random person's life that's what makes them a celebrity and I think the again, it, I think we start to see shifts in what celebrity means or fame means whenever we have big shifts in the way information is shared. So, again, like the invention of the printing press, we saw a big change in how people uh, engaged with like public figures, like intellectuals, like Byron and Voltaire. Uh, they became well known for for like who they were as people. Uh, and then when you start to get things like uh, sort of like the radio TV era where there was sort of mass circulated newspapers and it was sort of easy, um, easier, you know, this, this article I'm reading said that things like the penny press, so cheap mass circulated newspapers, that's the distinction here. It allowed people to, to really easily share information. Like you said, basically, uh, I don't know if it was the J 14 of their day, but it it was sort of the equivalent, you know, you'd be able to have a gossip column and and you could get updated every day about uh, your favorite, you know, celebrity figure. Um, I think uh, the uh, comparable thing to modern day celebrity would maybe be royalty. They invented image managing. So they they gave the information that they wanted to give um, to different levels of society. So the common folk would know when they were getting married or when one of them died or when a baby was born in the royal family. Uh, but they probably wouldn't know the nitty-gritty day-to-day stuff but if you were in a certain level of society it was a a mark of rank how much you knew about the royals and the nobles um so yes i i would agree i think that the royals are the first celebs as we think about them 
on that note, you know, not to kind of take a breath and think about that, it'd be interesting to, if someone could to dig into how that's changed modern day celebrity, because we are now entering a time when it is extremely easy to get very personal information to everyone in the world. Okay. So we've, uh, <clears throat> we've been sort of dancing around this term a lot, uh, sort of at the beginning of this episode, but I'd love if we could just define what is a parasocial relationship. So it's a term that got coined in 1956, and in very, very simple terms, a parasocial relationship is a one-sided relationship from the audience or from the recipient of media towards the person on the other side of the screen or the radio or what have you. So it's kind of like you are forming this connection with this person who doesn't know you exist. That's the very basic classical definition of a parasocial relationship, and it worked for many years um, with the kind of classic media output that we had. That's that's the basics of it. Okay, so it's basically yeah, it's this idea that you know because because you follow this actor on social media, uh, or you know you see the you know their kind of you've read their biography or you see uh, you know the latest on their life in a gossip column that you know them that you have some sense of like connection to them. Right, like you're friends with them even though they don't know who you are. Yeah, um, it's a natural way to explore explore emotions and like passion in a safe setting. So uh, the object of your desire doesn't necessarily have to in real time receive it. So an example is, you know, 14 year old you, yeah, like for, like 14 year old you can just be as obsessed and crazy as you want about Harry Styles. Harry Styles is probably not going to see that with, you know, all of his followers and you can, you know, obsess about him. If you had that same level of passion um, for like Brian and your history class, uh, that could be, you know, maybe a bit, <laughs> a bit scary. Yeah. And especially if, I mean, for now we have social media, but for many years you were just kind of like posting pictures of your celebrity on your wall, like on your literal wall in your room. And this was a very you and your idea of this person. And that person didn't have to know anything about it. <laughs> and you could work out your feelings in that way. Um, that wasn't really hurting anybody. Uh -huh. I kind of, I'm thinking about uh, like, not like Tiger Beat, but like, yeah, like J14 or Tiger Beat. Yeah. <laughs> like I definitely cut some things out of a magazine and, and stuck them up on my wall. Absolutely. Um, Carry them on my binder. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it is a safe way for uh, teenagers um, to, to experience our very strong emotions. You know, when you're 14, 16, everything is happening so much um, that it's, I think, healthier and safer for that to be happening with a person who is not actually going to feel any of that storm of emotions than, you know, poor Brian and home ec, who's just trying to live his life. <laughs> As we said in our disclaimer that we are not immune to this. And even now, and I think that you, you talk about like, oh, like 14 year old strong emotions. Like, let's talk about my whole, whole ass adult strong emotions here. <laughs> I you definitely have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings and I follow, you know, a lot of actors that I really admire and I like, you know, I, I follow them on social media and I follow what they're doing. And, and, um, you know, I, it's, it's a positive experience, you know, and I think, um, it can be, you know, fun. It can add, you know, fun, fun to life because it's just sort of, you know, everything sucks so much right now. Why not? You know, yeah. <laughs> but it's, a, so it can be a really, really positive thing. And I think that there's just nothing necessarily inherently bad about it. I think that, um, you know, you can be super dedicated and devoted, 
Um, one thing that it can do though is that this idea of like parasocial relationships is is you're putting celebrities up on a pedestal and uh you sort of dehumanize them a little bit and this it that separation allows you to justify uh, some pretty inhumane treatment and some pretty uh um pretty harmful entitlement to their lives and I know we talked about how one of the ways that parasocial relationships can be safer is a lack of access. Uh, but when I, so I just watched the Britney documentary, it's on Hulu, it's a, like New York times presents it's like framing Britney Spears. It's um it's a difficult watch, but I think it was really important to watch it because she's basically treated like an animal, like a, like an object, like just every aspect of her life was, was chewed up for our consumption and just no compassion, no humanity. And the justification was she's a celebrity. She deserves it. You know, she's, she's on this pedestal. She's, she's supposed to get ripped apart. Oh, I'm not going to feel bad for celebrity. And so it's like, that's an instance where like, I wouldn't call that a parasocial relationship. That was pretty, she was pretty aware of us, you know, pretty. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I think that's when, I think that's when things started getting a little bit, um, not so clear cut anymore. I know that I have that, you know, I, I have guilt about uh, treating some celebrities that way, like Justin Bieber, where I had this, this dislike and this celebration when bad things happen to this absolute child. Like he got, I think he got arrested in Miami for, for a DUI or some kind of traffic infraction, like a completely normal teenage thing to do. And I, I felt happiness for that. And that's, that's messed up. Um, and I know that I'm not the only one that had that experience with him and others. And there's no reason why, if you're thinking of him as a person and thinking of him as a child, but if you're thinking of him as a celebrity, it does dehumanize, it does depersonalize this this kid. Yeah, well, I think it's like this element. Acting the way a kid with money does. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's like, you know, it, it's not saying like, like, that's not bad behavior, but I think in like real life, it's that gleefulness, right? Like that celebration of this kind of downfall. Like in real life, if I knew a 16 year old that had a traffic infraction or had gotten a DUI or, you know, something bad uh, that wouldn't, I, if I was like, yes, that's so great that happened to them. You would think I was a psychopath, right? Yeah. Like a real teenager exactly. in my real life. Well, Justin Bieber is a real teenager. He's a real entire human. And for some reason, because he's a celebrity and he's on this pedestal, we're allowed to be like, love that for him. yeah exactly he's not a teenager anymore by the way we're just old um (laughs) yeah no no we're just but we're using his example i mean because that that was an example of kind of a teenager that was sort of definitely went through a tough time because he grew up in the public eye which is you know under a lot of scrutiny that i think a lot of us would not be able to withstand if our horrible teenage years were enabled by not only money uh fame and then also yeah. increased scrutiny oh my gosh like if my mice i think we we talked about this before if our myspaces were still like publicly available we'd be so canceled i don't even know what's in there oh i just know it all i don't even know either i don't even know anything specific but i can tell you i, would, I don't want to know i don't want to know and i for sure would be canceled i'm sure i had some horrible hot takes in there that were just like yeah you know and i'm not even famous but i had strong opinions when i shouldn't have had any oh my gosh um, <laughs> i had so many actually, dumb, dumb opinions Actually, think that Justin Bieber 
is a is a turning point not in himself but that era because he came up on youtube and youtube is a great example of how parasocial relationships are not what they used to be anymore um because social media is where celebrity is happening like it's the act of celebrity is is happening on social media which is by its nature interactive so it's not so much that they're putting out an album and paparazzi are giving us insight into their private life and we're consuming it it's that they, they can see what we're saying about them and yeah maybe harry styles with majillions of followers isn't seeing it but a, a, a youtuber that's streaming like you know their video game experience they only have a couple thousand followers they can see you being nasty so it's not as clear-cut and separate anymore um that's kind of interesting because it kind of it comes right back to we were talking about we keep looping around this 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 buffer this buffer between the harm that you can do and um i'm trying to think about how not only since like how we interact with celebrities have changed um who's defined as a celebrity seems to change and Mm -hmm. like in the example of like a youtuber he doesn't have the infrastructure around around him uh that someone like harry styles would have as, as to protect him from from this kind of this toxic side of fame because he's just a youtuber that like a kid in his his you know bedroom that's creating stuff and yet he's getting the uh, some very intense uh i guess parasocial whatever parasocial is now emotions directed at him uh without any way to kind of deflect it but these people that are becoming famous very very quickly um with, like you said, no infrastructure around them to protect them. There's no PR, there's no agent. Um, Sometimes their families aren't even involved, and a lot of them are very young. Um, But even if they're not children, they're not building up to celebrity. It's just happening. And so they're still probably interacting with people on a very one-to-one level um, insofar as they can. And it's, it's kind of blurring that line. Now, it's not always negative, but I think it's important that people keep that yeah i'm sure like celebrities get you know it it must feel good to get a bunch of people telling telling you how much they love you for example and being able to kind of soak in that adoration directly um but also then i could get you know noticed from my favorite writer or my favorite actor you know i can they can tweet at me Uh, yes (laughs) that happened to me it was awesome (laughs) um yeah, I tell this story a lot, but I wrote an article about um, Good Omens, the TV show that came out. We, we want to say a year ago, but it was actually two because pandemic year happened. Um, and I wrote an article and Neil Gaiman, who's the author and he's involved in the show, um, responded like had saying that he'd read it, I think. And there was some positive reaction. I don't remember the exact words. I don't want to misquote Neil Gaiman. Um but, but that acknowledgement felt really good. And I can only hope that reading my words of praise also felt good for him as a human person so i think that's a nice effect of reciprocity yeah and i think also like <clears throat> this this the the engagement from the celebrity side of things allows for them to control their own narrative a little bit more so like mm-hmm. with with the britney experience i wonder how how that would have gone in today's in today's landscape because she had such a one side and I mean that by like the paparazzi in the media were controlling her narrative 
Whereas now an actor has a really direct line to completely not only speak to their fans, but like kind of control, <clears throat> control what's being said about them or like set the record straight. Um, whereas before you'd have to like go on an interview or something. So, right. Right. So that can be kind of a positive side of that, like reciprocal thing. Is there, is there a new term for it now? Like so parasocial is just one sided. Is there a term now for this? Like whatever is happening? Now? Uh, yeah. I think the working term in uh, media psychology is pseudo parasocial. Um, just because we add, we add words. Um, I was expecting something I, I fancier, think, but <clears throat> yeah, okay. No, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. I mean, things are shifting so fast in media and media studies that it's hard to keep up. So I think that's the working term right now is that it's still parasocial in the sense that you're not forming a true one-to-one relationship with this person. And I think something I, I have come to appreciate, I consume a lot of YouTube more than any other media right now. And what I like that I'm seeing is these celebrities or these personalities are coming forth and saying, I'm aware of this happening. I know that you think we're friends. I appreciate you, but I need you to know you don't know me that way. (laughs) And that I do see when you say negative things about me. So them taking the initiative in that, that perspective taking and that awareness, I think might help in the future. Um, I'm I'm trying to think if this take is too spicy, but I have a very spicy hot take. (laughs) Oh, come on. This isn't a very tame episode. (laughs) Give me the spicy hot take. Okay. Okay. Do you think that human beings are hardwired for a one-sided devotional relationship? Uh, And what I mean by that is like religion or worship, like worshiping of, of, of a, of a God or religion, like this kind of one-sided relationship. Please, please don't come at me guys. But this, this, um, (laughs) pause, pause for processing and uh, angry tweets. Um, there's this, is there this whole hole in our brain that shaped like this, this one-sided devotion? Yeah, I think maybe our brains need it or you use it for something. And like anything else, in excess, it can go wrong. But I don't think that it's, I mean, it's a spicy hot take, don't get me (laughs) wrong. But I don't think that uh, you're off the mark because there's a lot saying that there's something in our our human wiring, if I'm hearing you correctly, about us wanting to idolize. Yes. In a one direct, in a in one direction, <laughs> in but, um, one direction, uh, unintended. Uh, th- but yeah, this the, it's it's like part of our makeup that t- to love something without necessarily getting active current feedback, like as you know, whatever that that's like part of being human. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a safety in that. There's a comfort in I control the amount of love and worship I give you. And I don't need anything from you. I, I got that. I love you for many reasons, but I love how supportive you are of my spicy hot take. And I wonder how much of it is just because you're just like, yes, this, this is all breed. Like, I don't want to get involved. Uh, I don't I don't want to get involved in this. But... I'm not co-signing this. I'm just yeah, being very so supportive. supportive. Uh, I just, you know, because I, I think we always try and kind of end the episode with with uh, how how we think this plays into our, like, humanity you know, and how, how our brains are just wired that way. So we're just, we're wired to worship things, whether it's gods or celebrities. 
Now, if you want to follow us um, as very, very minor, very, um, we require no special um, candle celebrations or anything. Um, but if you want to click follow, where can they follow? Follow us at Basic Stuff Mag on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. You can also follow us on the Obsession Pod on on Twitter. So we have a we have a separate Twitter account for our. Uh, for, for the podcast, but we're part of Basic Stuff Mag, so, I mean, just follow us over there. That'd be great. <laughs> and uh, yep. we would love it if uh, you could tweet at us and let us know who you are, because when we look at our listeners, um, there are more of you than we have friends. So explain yourselves. Yeah, where are you coming from? Expra- explain. Yes, it, explain. Where are you from? Um, <laughs> where are you from? Because... Um, we, we know a lot of people, but not that many. So thank you for listening. I don't know how you got here. Yeah. And you can also follow us on Patreon, patreon.com with the obsession. Uh, we keep a lot of our content there. You don't have to buy anything, uh, but you can if you'd like to get some perks. But uh, it's a good place just to kind of find our, our notes if you're that kind of a nerd and you want to read and follow along while you're listening. Uh, and uh, also just kind of keep track of all the episodes. Um, you can go there or, or throw us some money. As, as devotion. <laughs> oh, we gotta stop. I know. We stop. Oh my gosh. We're uh, gonna have, thank you. Uh, here, we're just opening ourselves up for some angry one-star reviews on on iTunes. <laughs> but uh, what was that thing that uh, Oscar Wilde said, Brie? Ooh. Uh, hold on. Uh, Oscar Wilde said in the picture of Dorian Gray, there's only one thing in the world worse than being talked about, and that is not being talked about that we're gonna end for today see you guys next time